Yo, welcome back to the home for anime. I am your host, GPC, great podcaster Callie, and I am here with my best friendo, Andrew. What's good, Andrew? Hey, glad to be back. Glad to be back. Glad to have you back. Now, Andrew, you are quite the anime fiend, like I am. You actually... Uh, I dabble. You actually just started on my anime list. Oh, no, don't. And, okay, so I I had, like, over 200 shows in my my anime list, and by the time you were at, like, 30, you had already surpassed the amount of episodes that I had oh, seen. Oh, God, <laughs> yeah. Look, I've been watching since, uh, like, even before I started elementary school, and a lot of it was shonen so like if you know anything about the series like a typical shonen anime they go on forever yeah <laughs> like the bulk of it was one piece <laughs> which is almost at its a thousand episodes yeah. uh then that was followed up by probably like pokemon which is like an easy 300 and then like naruto easy 200 so on and so forth yeah like pokemon is actually over a thousand episodes in, right? Yeah, yeah. That's ridiculous to think it about. Is, it is. What year did the first uh, animated series come out for Pokemon? Yeah, I think it came out in like '97 in Japan. That's crazy. I think we got it in '98. Mm-hmm. I think uh, four kids. Oh, four kids and, uh, brought over. Good old four kids. It definitely <laughs> helped. Oh, absolutely. I mean, introduced an entire generation to something that we wouldn't have had otherwise, even though, you know, it's kind of discouraging the fact that we have to find other means to get the Japanese dub for Pokemon. Mm. Does Netflix not get? Uh, I've only seen the the English dubs on Netflix because I watch it with my younger siblings uh, talking about like Sun and Moon, but do they not have the Japanese stuff available? No, no, because there's the Pokemon company USA. So I've, I've never been able to find a Pokemon Japanese dub anywhere on a U.S. streaming platform. Always have to go to like YouTube or go to X site, Y site, Z site, because I Mm -hmm. want them to stay up. Because, you know, degenerate. Uh, it's all good. I mean, Pokemon isn't going to be harmed. Game Freak isn't going to be harmed by that. They're no. already multi-billion dollar company. Yeah. Easily. Satoshi Shijiri knew exactly what he was doing when he started the entire project way back when. I don't <laughs> think he ever thought, I'm going to be a billionaire. But he, he probably thought, I'm going to be sitting in the lap of luxury. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be setting up these toys. These kids are gonna go crazy. Uh, I mean, just I mean, in all seriousness, uh, the issues that they're having now in stores with like the Pokemon card shortages—that's like, fucking ridiculous. It's crazy. Like I collected when I was younger, but it, just seeing how much demand there is for it now—it's it's a little daunting. You should see some of the prices for the old DS <sighs> games and the the Game Boy games. Hmm. Astronomical. I wish I would have kept my collection. I have no idea what happened to it. I have a fair amount. Not take care of it. I have a fair amount right 
by my windowsill. I just have an entire <laughs> that, that Pokemon might, shrine. That might, be, <laughs> that might be enough to like buy a house. Who knows? Oh my god. If I could be a homeowner before 25, that would be incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I would, not know about what, that. I would not know what to do with myself if I just had a home. Uh, like I live be by nice. Because I live by myself in a townhome, like, what am I supposed to do with that? Mm -hmm. Um, But the reason that I brought up the fact that you're an anime fiend and that you have a My Anime list is because you and I, we both watched something at the exact same time, but in different places that we were both able to add to our My Anime list accounts. And Mm -hmm. that would be the 2020 movie, Jose the Tiger and the Fish. Mm -hmm. Which, Andrew... That did come out last year. Uh, Yeah, we're just now getting it. Yeah, I know. It's it's sad, but it's it's just how things work. I'm happy that I had a chance to watch it because it was a beautiful movie. Yes, yes. And I mean, as you know, since it took so long for us to get it in theaters we're probably not going to see a blu-ray for it for another probably nine months to a year i can wait i mean it's worth it oh absolutely i mean especially if it comes in this in some sort of beautiful container limited edition whatever have you if they do that i will be so happy because spoiler alert I loved this movie. Mm-hmm. How, do you want to give a quick summary about the movie? Sure. I can if you need me to. So, Jose the Tiger and the Fish is about this 22-year-old named Sunil who wants to... He wants to study, like, marine biology, right? Mm-hmm. He's, like a, he's a college student, an avid diver... And a lot of this he centers around like his dream mm-hmm. to go to Mexico to find like a specific uh, species of fish that he used to look at when he was younger, but it was only one fish, and he wants to see a whole school of them. Right, together. because that's where you, that's where he was able. That's where you can find them is in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And so he's working. He's working jobs so that he can raise the money so that he can study abroad so that he can watch these fish and learn more about a lot of aquatic life. Mm-hmm. And so he can continue to dive and whatnot. And he meets this girl. Well, meet is a bit of a stretch. <laughs> She's literally catapulted into his life. Like. Yes, this young woman named Kumiko, who we address her as Jose, she is rolling down a hill down the street because, as her grandmother said, somebody pushed her, which I never saw anyone push her, but I can't say that that was, you know, really the case or not, but I'm sure it was. Um, I'm pretty sure it was, too. Yeah. And Suneo sees her flying down and as she catapults out of her chair, he catches her. And that's mm-hmm. how they meet. Mm-hmm. And they they don't get along at first, but Jose's grandma, who is also her caretaker, 
says, hey, I want you to be my granddaughter's caretaker and, you know, keep her company, shit like that, even though she's dead set against it. Like uh, Josie is dead against uh, having him as a caretaker? Yeah, yeah. She talked mad shit at the beginning, <laughs> called him a pervert, an idiot. It was, it was it was an interesting dynamic, uh, especially when you think in terms of a romance. Mm-hmm. To think that it starts with an indentured servant, because that's basically what he becomes. I mean, it's a job. No, yeah, it and is a job, and it's a well-paying job, which is why he. It is a well-paying it, job, which is why he accepts um, it. The dynamic is not the best at first. <laughs> Very antagonistic. Um, but the movie does not focus too much on like the sheer amount of work that uh, Suneo has to go through. Because like it, there it's pretty clear that he's broke and he's well, he's not broke. He's uh, making a lot of sacrifices so he could save up a lot of money. Right. So the reason that he puts up with this uh, treatment is so you know he can collect that money. And he's also working a part-time gig at this diving shop, too. Mm-hmm. With his so. two friends, Mai and Hayato, which... I love Hayato. Hayato, he... He's a bro. Yeah, he is a total bro. He is he is down for his homie, no matter what he chooses to do. He was he was pretty funny. I, at first, I thought, okay, he's a little annoying. But then I was like, this is someone he, he who... He grows I, on you. He, yeah, I'm like, this is someone who I want to have in my corner. He like he goes inside. He like visits and goes through the back door, and you're just like, "All right, cool, whatever." And, and <laughs> take my, off your shoes. And my is just down bad for him. For for, for Suneo, Suneo. Yeah. our main character. Yeah, you see little glimpses of it in the beginning, and then it just goes full throttle later on. Yeah, I didn't. That's the one thing. I the one one of the few things that didn't work for me in the movie, but yeah. um. Overall, it, it, it comes together at the end, but right, I don't when, think she had a reason to be antagonistic aside from, uh, oh, no, I love Doki Doki, this guy, and she's in the way. You mean why Jose was antagonistic? Oh, no, I'm talking about, uh, what was her name, Mai? Oh, okay, I was about was to I say. antagonistic like, to Josie. Yeah, I was going to say that. that mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, it, 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 it definitely, because Mai was definitely a jerk to Jose and I could kind of see why but it, it definitely wasn't cool I mean everything and well not everything but a fair amount of stuff in this movie is played up for dramatic effect but it it just works really well I think and watching the connection watching the relationship between Sunio and Jose blossom is it's very rewarding, especially because you think, okay, we don't, we don't have that much time. This movie runs at an hour and 38 minutes. So how much, yeah. how much development are you going to get during that time? And they're very effective with their time. Yeah. Everything just comes together so nicely. I pacing was not an issue. Mm-mm. Pacing just, it, it was, it was so perfect. I, I have zero problems with that. And I, again, I think the way that their relationship blossomed, it felt organic, especially because this wasn't something that just happened over the course of a few days. 
this is something that happens over a few months. Mm -hmm. So there is time for him to say, you know, okay, at first I don't like this girl. And then, all right, you know, she's, she's pretty neat, especially when he learns that she is just like him and she, yeah. she has aspirations. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's the real turning point in their relationship. Yes, when absolutely. Getting close. It is. So as we said in the summary, uh, Suneo is the, a really hardworking student. And you you catch on pretty quick that it's not just now that he's been putting all this effort and work into this dream that he's had. It's been his whole life. Mm-hmm. And what we see the movie do when it contrasts him and Josie's um, different lives. She has aspirations too, but the way that the movie frames it, it makes it very clear that things are a lot stacked more against her for the life that she's had to live and the opportunities that weren't granted the same to her. Right. Yeah. So whereas Suneda was a guy that's been centering his whole life on this one dream, uh, Josie's has felt like that dream has been, out of reach out of reach for a long time yes and i mean that that is something that is addressed i mean this this one dude does straight up say you being an artist be oh, realistic. Yeah, social worker yeah and it, it's coming from a social worker right yeah Which, it's, it's i don't know i the movie definitely could have pulled the lens back a bit further and talked more about the social implications and like uh the social strains that both Josie and Suneda were put through because they're both trying to live in a world where they're trying to like, you know, go for the dreams, but there comes at a fiscal cost. Um, it doesn't spend too much time on that, but you definitely seen glimpses. Like it, that's what helps like build uh, their difficulties and their conflicts throughout the movies. They, they do show it some. Honestly, in that case, I see what you mean, but I kind of feel like less might've been more. I think, I mean, for, for me personally, just with my family history, I know about how different handicaps, so to speak, influence how you do things, how long it takes for things to happen. So, you know, that might not be everyone's experience, but it made total sense to me how dreams can definitely be put on hold because of that or because of financial hardship Mm -hmm. so i think maybe just mentioning it might not be enough for some people but i definitely saw them looking at it in that brief glimpse as a strength because if they had spent too much time on it that might have detracted from the main selling point, which is Suneo and Jose's relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. The movie does the, the strongest aspect of the movie is their relationship. And that's one of the most beautiful things about it. Um, what I'm trying to get at is uh, Josie as a character, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she's had a different life than I'll ever live. Mm-hmm. Or at least for the time being, I don't know what the future holds. But what I'm trying to get at is like there's aspect of her characters and different traits that do speak on a larger social level, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that the movie's worse for not 
integrating those aspects that it pulls it off really well for what it is. Mm -hmm. What I'm what I'm trying to say is like, you know, there are choices that she makes that alludes to different issues. Like, let's take the fact that she changes her name, right? Like right. her name is Kimiko, but she fully says, call me Josie. Like that's her like exerting her agency and a place and denying her birth name. And we could have, the, the story could have gone to like different lengths um, to highlight those choices that she's made. Um, again, the, the movie isn't worse off for not doing that. It's, it's just trying to do a different thing. It's trying to sell this romance in a wonderful way. And it works. Well, actually, I'm glad that you brought that up. I was going to talk about her name and her personality. So she got, she chose that name for herself because it was a character from a book from her favorite author. Francois Sagan. I don't know if I pronounced that right. I believe so. And she, like you said, hmm? Sorry, he's a real playwright. What were you going to say? I was just going to say that is an example of sh- of her showing like you said that agency about herself her entire personality screams i want independence mm-hmm. and or she wants to go for it but you know it's it's not an easy it's not uh, easy process for her right? because her being sunio being her caretaker her grandmother tells him she is not to go outside because the outside yeah. world is dangerous, like tigers. You mm-hmm. know, and that was that that was a devastating blow to her, and it took a hot minute before she was like, "All right, look, I I just want to go outside, and you, mm-hmm. the caretaker, are going to help me with that." After she ran away that one time and Suneo took her to the ocean, which is where their relationship really started to. Oh, that was such a beautiful scene where he's carrying her and everything. I was, I was sitting there and I was like, someone who experienced real love had a hand in this production because now I know that love exists. (laughs) It's out there. And this is a part of it. (laughs) It was a little more cinematic than I imagined, but you know, if I can, touch a glimpse of that in my life that would be wonderful oh my god yeah that was it was so beautiful i i really loved that scene just because i mean you could tell that she was having the time of her life Mm -hmm. finally being able to reach her dream of seeing the ocean and tasting ocean water yeah and that's that's just like the tip of the iceberg though it's from here that she says if i can do this then there's no limit. Like I, I can face these other fears that I've had. Right. right. Which, you know, ultimate cultivates in like the tiger scene at the zoo when they, when she visits it and then revisits it. Uh, can we talk about the visual metaphor of the tiger a bit? Yeah. So if I'm remembering correctly, when her grandma says that the outside world is dangerous, she does say like tigers, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But so, the, oh, sorry. You go. Oh, I was going to say, so, her going out and facing humanity in itself, I mean, the way that she makes friends, the way that she really comes out of her shell, that's her facing the actual part of the metaphor. So what the metaphor stands for, but then she's like, I need to actually, you know, I need to face the metaphor head on. I need to face 
the actual tiger because this is what I've been afraid of this whole time. Mm-hmm. And the first instance that we get, because what she, what that also implicates, or what other implications that brings up the visual metaphor of a tiger is also the territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever she goes out, she's in a some, she's in a completely different territory, and different other social expectations are required, and she can't meet those. Like her life can't meet those, and so she's seen as some sort of pest or like an obstacle. But the first instance that we get of a tiger, like not even a tiger, but this uh, a feline in the movie is the stray cat that comes in and out that feasts, like that they give leftovers for, right? Mm-hmm. Like whenever he first meets Josie, the grandmother invites him back to their place to offer him a co- home-cooked meal. He just got off his part-time job. It's late at night and she wants to give him thanks essentially and then, you know, offer him a job. And in that instance, while she's out in the kitchen cooking, he's in the dining room with Josie and Josie's reading a book. And at the same time, there's like this stray cat that's like outside the deck that's just staring at Tunado and hissing. And then she talks about this. They have this conversation. Not really conversation. She's just outright saying cats are territorial. You're not in your right territory. You should get out. Mm-hmm. And it's given us this sense of like this domestication that she's had to live under for like her own safety but that also inhibits her uh her presence in the world like mm-hmm. her grandmother is looking out for her and caring for her but also can't provide her or feels like she can't provide her the outside experience that she you know she rightly deserves and it's almost like she's feels like she's kind of stunting her growth which i i was surprised to realize that josie was my age Oh, oh my god, yeah. She's 24. Yeah. And I, I was like, all right, Sunail, getting yourself a cougar, getting an older woman. I appreciate that. <laughs> that was that was good on his part. Um <laughs> Sorry. I, I I had I had that joke in my mind like as soon as I asked you to come on here, I had that joke in mind, but yeah. So she, we have the visual metaphor of a cougar now. Uh if only, if only. Somebody call Young Gravy. <laughs> um but no she the grandma she felt like she was stifling her growth and i think she i think she knew that because mm-hmm. she, she would let them sneak out yeah. because what josie would say is after they snuck out the first time um you had this sequence whenever okay okay so the turning point in the relationship um whenever Suneo and josie got closest josie uh, uh, josie kind of ran away from home for a bit trying to get her way to the sea yeah and and once Sunedo finds her out and about, instead of taking her back at that instance, he helps her go to the sea or to the beachfront. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, you have that wonderful scene and they grow together and more close. And then when she, he gets back, they're confronted by the grandmother late at night saying, don't ever take her back out. If you do, I'll cut it off. And she's like she inappropriately grabs him in his crotch, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, that stuff doesn't really do anything for me like. You know, I don't think that's a little too far, but you know, it's a threat, right? I laughed. And it's pretty clear. (laughs) But even knowing that, Josie's like, okay, my grandmother takes a nap from one to three most days. We can sneak out there, and they continue to do this. Mm -hmm. And it's later revealed that, like, the grandmother knew all along. Yeah. Right. Because so yeah, I think that she definitely wanted Jose to grow. Mm -hmm. So that that was just her her opportunity for that. I think there was only so much that she could do by herself. So she she definitely made the right move by hiring Suneo. 
and actually going back to what you said about felines being territorial it's very interesting the fact that Sunea was able to tame the stray cat and the three of them were able to coexist and then because of Suneo, Jose was able to tame the societal tiger. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like this, it's this building point where it's like we start small and then we get big. Yes. And also the, the whole thing about fish, because, you know, it's called Jose the tiger and the fish. That was honestly a huge part of one, the, the visuals, everything that had to do with water and had to do with aquatic life, I thought was marvelous. I mean, everything from like the fish lamp that she got to the fact that her art focused so heavily on the water and on marine biology. Well, aquatic life, I should say. Everything was just so gorgeous, and that was the layout of her room, and that is definitely the I'm not going to say it was the basis of their relationship, but again, that's that's how they grew. Yeah, and like with the title, I mean, you'd think that, you know, fish, tiger, predator, prey, mm-hmm. uh, fish being aspirations, dream, uh, tiger being symbolic of societal restrictions and um, other obstacles that, you know, you really have no control over, but you're subjugated by them regardless. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's like having this, it's like having freedom in front of you the whole time. It's having liberation, having command over land and sea. But in their case, especially sea, because the sea, the water represents freedom. Mm-hmm. And it, it represents, if we're being perfectly honest, it represents love. I don't know. I don't. I don't remember too much. I know there was the. Uh, I mean, I definitely agree with you, especially with the uh, uh, beach scene with um uh, having fun. But also, you have that one dream sequence where Josie's in her room or somewhere in her house, and suddenly, like, her house is being flooded, mm-hmm. and then oh, and just another like a gorgeous sequence. Like, it overtakes the whole house, and she's swimming around, and she has like this dress on, like this blue greenish teal dress and the way that she moves around yeah the dress the way that it flows pretty long like goes past her legs it makes it look like it's a mermaid tail and she's just moving around and you know to say that is like this movie is so gorgeous this and it was one of the most beautiful sequences yes honestly of the anime movies that have come to the u.s which there have only been a handful of brand new ones we're getting we're getting stuff that has already come out in 2020 we've got stuff like lupon the third the first we got oh, children of the sea mm-hmm. we've got promare and weathering with you and uh fate stay night heaven's feel i think or is it spring song the third the third movie but all those came out last year i'm pretty sure so the stuff that we're getting brand new in the u.s so far we've gotten violet evergarden the movie we've gotten demon slayer mugen train and then the next one that we got was 
this one, Jose the Tiger and the Fish. And honestly, all three of them have been pure knockouts. But I have to rank this one as a close second with Violet Evergarden, the movie, because, I mean, for me, there's no beating Kyoto Animation's magic, but mm-hmm. I think that Bones did a stellar job. They do. They did. They did. I think Youth Love Table did some. I, I remember watching the credit scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, scene. yeah. They did. They, uh, I don't know. I, I did a catch. I just remember catching the studio title. But yeah, they had some hand in this, and you could tell. Yeah, absolutely. That collaboration is a, was a match made in heaven for this one. And honestly, I had a glimpse of a feeling that there was something similar that I was that I might have been missing. But you know I have a thing for eyes. Yeah. And the eye work, I mean, everything, everything is beautiful in this movie. There is nothing that is not beautiful in this movie. I cannot stress yeah. that enough. But yeah. their eyes, there's this thing about their eyes where it's not like the, what is it? The pupil, the round part, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a full circle. No, I was about to say that Suneo has like a Pac-Man mouth thing going on except it's like a it's a rectangle they all have it's that. a rectangle yeah they all have that and i thought that was a very unique way of doing eyes i never thought yeah, of that, that makes sense that and you have like ufo tables with like demon slayer like they do such a good job with like uh translating the manga's eye designs and like making them move in such a wonderful way so maybe that's a part of their direction um, I, I i i could see it Dude, honestly, these are some of the best eyes I have ever seen. Real eyes, real eyes, real eyes. Oh, stop. Stop, don't make my brain not work. <laughs> the score is done by Evan Call, who worked on Violet Evergarden and Violet mm-hmm. Evergarden the movie. So, of course, you know, I was very happy about that. That made me very excited to go into this movie and i i recognized it right away i said this is definitely evan call and the second part about music is eve did the yes i saw that did the two singing tracks for this movie and i really did love uh i think it's was it i don't know waltz I don't. I don't remember how to pronounce it, but I didn't catch the names. I just they were just wonderful. Yeah, the one from the end credits. I've been nuts about that since I saw it in the first trailer over half a year ago. I immediately downloaded it into my Spotify playlist. Just listen to it in the shower, humming. My neighbors are probably just like. God, someone shut this kid the fuck up, but no. No, it's my house. I'll do whatever I want. I wanted to say that before we go into like some uh, more plot-heavy uh, decisions, mm-hmm. I came into this movie not cynical or anything like that. Like I came to it with some concerns because, you know, in most media, you don't see a lot of uh, disabled representation in general and in animation I feel like it's even less mm-hmm. <laughs> or at least the ones that we get uh, from overseas that we're able to license and showcase in theaters so I came into this movie with a lot of concerns um, but as like 
going through the whole thing and just seeing how it handles its uh, subject matter and its characters. Like I love Josie so much. I saw so much of myself in her, which, uh, you know, is like a good work of art. And I came out of that theater just feeling so much lighter. Like, like, like yeah, you texted me that <laughs> you said you felt like, like a better check- person. <laughs> I felt, I feel like a better person. I know love is real. Yes. Uh, I jumped a little bit when I got out of the theater and I felt like I got off the air a little higher than I usually do. So that's good. (laughs) Um, I tried dunking sometime. I don't know. But yeah, I don't think this is, this is a good movie to show someone. Um, And out of all like the adaptations and the original source material, I think this is the easiest one to like go into, to understand some of like the original author's uh, story, even though there are several, uh differences mm-hmm. but yeah this is great movie cannot recommend it enough it's a beautiful out of 10 for yes. me one of one of my top 10 movies of all time absolutely loved it just incredible please please go watch it buy it when it comes out on blu-ray support the creators this that and the third definitely just give this a watch we don't we don't need a sequel or anything but we just need to tell the people who made this thank you because god i have not had such a good time in the movie since i went to go see violet evergarden the movie and in terms of romance this is this is one of the best romance movies that i've ever seen that wasn't a continuation or anything like that because Mm -hmm. i want to eat your pancreas didn't do it for me in terms of romance it was i don't know it felt kind of like a friendship movie but they kept they kept i i haven't seen it and that uh, whenever i hear that whenever i remember that that's the title for it i'm like what the hell is that they, they keep they kept marketing it as a romance i'm like this isn't romance and I love Rascal Does Not Dream of a Dreaming Girl, but that's just another entry in the Rascal series. So, mm-hmm. not another thing I need to watch yeah. too. But yeah, yeah so this movie's great. Um, do you want to get into like some spoilery stuff? Yes. Yeah, so as of right now, we are entering spoiler territory. So be warned if you do not want to get spoiled on anything major. Just click out now, and it was great talking to you up to this point. And now, I love you. You look great. Yes. You, you really lost do. some weight or you gained some. Either way, you know, your body needs what your body needs. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud sexy. of you. Sexy. All right. Let's go. Let's get it. All right. Now, home for anime after hours. Let's get into the spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So a big, 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 big turning point and some of the dynamics between Josie and Suneo come across whenever Suneo brings her over to his other part-time job at the diving shop mm-hmm. and he's introducing him to his friends and, you know, kind of getting the feel for their relationship or his relationship with his friends and like the worlds that they inhabit. And it really, uh, it comes across as really daunting to uh, Josie and it puts her in a down mood. And, you know, there's a lot of things going on that makes her think that you know she doesn't belong here mm-hmm. right and uh from their other issue stem right I, I think it's at this point where she asked her grandma to fire him yeah yeah it was and he comes later on 
he comes by their house later on after some time and space have uh, you know been allotted and she's not there right 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 and this this sorry this part's a little fuzzy for me but regardless she runs away again and i think she's going out to the sea once more or something that like or she goes I cannot remember for the life of me. No, no, no. So the part where she went to the sea is when she said that it was going to be his last job as her caretaker after grandma died. Yes. Oh, my God. I should have. Yeah. <laughs> Can you take over this part? I'm getting my sequences mixed or like the scenes mixed up. So which part are you talking about? I'm talking the part right before he gets hit by the car. Right before he gets like, yeah, what that leads, was, up, that what leads last, up to that. That was his last job. For her, after grandma died, she was like, I can't afford to keep you. And before before they went out, my head confronted her and said, he only feels oh, pity yeah. for you. And that, set him free. She, she yeah, says she set, said, him free. set him free. Re- reaffirming that connection with the cat. Yeah. So that, that definitely messed her up. And she just thought, you know, I I can't. I can't hold him back, but also I, she was going through a hard time because Mm -hmm. that was when reality was kind of starting to set in for her where, well, quote unquote reality where like, they're like, okay, she can't be an illustrator because blah, 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 which was absolute fucking bullshit. Yeah. Her artwork's gorgeous. Her artwork was incredible. I don't know why they, there's a, there was a, yeah, there's a part where she's, painting later on and like the brush strokes are animated so beautifully it felt almost like i was looking over her shoulder i was about to ask hey what you painting there and then i realized i'm watching someone else's animated work about someone else painting and it's like it it came across so it it was just so well put yeah man that was that was that was beautiful i really enjoyed that but what what are you getting at um i don't know oh you you said that um the social worker told her it's not realistic to live off of her art. And I was saying like, yeah, that that's stupid. Cause like her art's beautiful. She's talented. Well, you're asking about right before Sunil got hit. Oh, that part. Yeah. So here's where I wasn't sure where the movie was going to go mm-hmm. towards, or at least had some concerns about how they were going to handle this material. Okay. So at some point while he's doing, uh, while they're going on their last trip together, supposedly, Tension rises and Josie flees away from Suneo, right? After, or he's tracking her down. Yeah, after they are done at the beach. That that that's what happens, right? Like she like the, they go off their own ways. Yeah, she or, leaves him at once they're at the beach. You know, they look at the sea for a little bit and then she's like, All right, I'm gonna head out. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then he's looking for her. Is there a reason he's looking for her outside of just there, there's like a concern there, right? There is a concern, but also he was, was like, what's, what's up with our relationship? Yeah. God. Like, this can't be it. Also, what are you doing going off on your own like that? So you could tell the feelings were definitely there for both of them by that point. Yeah. And I. I, I, I think this is, like, for me, the strangest part of the movie. It wasn't, like, poorly told. I just... Uh, what, what happens later on, I think, is what took a lot more, like, 
attention from me, so I don't remember this part. It's, eventually, there's a part where he's chasing after her and he's trying to look for her, mm-hmm. and she's crossing this this like a crosswalk mm-hmm. late at night while it's raining, and like her wheel gets stuck. Right. And then she's trying to go forward, and she can't. And there's a car coming by, and Tuneo's running towards to go help her out. And a motorcycle zips by, and he barely dodges it. But then another car is coming over, and I think it hydroplanes and eventually hits him. Correct. And then from there, we get a whole sequence where he goes to the hospital. Um, there's a lot of medical stuff happening. He might not be able to walk again or may, might not be able to run or walk like he used to before. That's going to be a while before his knees and his leg can bear his full weight and stuff. And at this point, I'm like, okay, how is the movie going to handle this? Obviously, his life's going to change. I, I, I just didn't know where it was going from there. But I was pleasantly surprised because it turned into like the it went back to like the emotional core of the of the story where it's like this has always been an issue about aspiration and dreams and how we sacrifice and what we must do to like achieve them and like at this point he tosses away like his spanish grammar book he tosses away any like hope to go to mexico because he's just unsure of what will happen he has a couple months to get healthy before then but you know there's a lot of uncertainty whether he'll be able to like dive again right and so from here um Josie again such a wonderful character so bright and wonderful and you know she's going through this whole plan to basically inspire him again and to make him like chase his dream like even as difficult as things might be right now you know the obstacle isn't overcoming like his physical impairment that which I think was my concern because I'm like okay well, how is a movie going to frame this? Right. Because, you know, in literature, and this is what's informing me, in literature, often when a character comes in with like a physical disability or like a physical trait that's not seen as normal or something, it's usually something to overcome to be like a better person. Like socially, psychologically, it's like an infliction that makes them like worse off or like shameful or something, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking he gets hit, what is this movie going to do with it? And I was pleasantly surprised because it goes back to, it's not really the physical issues that are the problem for him. It's the fact that he's lost his light. Correct. And Josie does a fucking phenomenal job. She illustrates this whole children's book that really ties in together everything. And it's one of the most wonderful sequences. Cause then uh, we go back to the library that uh, she has a friend at with, and she orchestrates this whole um in person reading that she was able to take him out of the hospital with with the help of his other friend hayato yeah hayato and um she's telling the story and then you just get wonderful sequence after wonderful sequence that ultimately cultivates and suneo crying and you know just the life is put back into him and that was great Same. i don't know if you had anything to say uh i was also crying and uh <laughs> it took everything in me to not clap but yeah, definitely. I was a little concerned about how they were going to handle it. I was wondering, oh, are they going to pull some shit? Like, oh, you know, we're we're the same. Like, I, oh I, yeah, like, I yeah. understand you because now I can't. You know, I can't walk the same. But I think what I think you're right. What they were focused on was not the physical impairment not the disability they were focusing on or the injury i guess right. we should call it that right well he's not going to be able to walk the same 
Mm-hmm. Or there's there's just a lot of uncertainty, and that's yes. really kills it. Yes, that's what kills them. But the thing that was important to both of them, and the thing that she got because of him, was like you said, that light. So it went from being about disability, which I I was worried that about how they were going to handle her and her disability because you and I, we had a conversation before we saw the movie about how characters with disability are typically framed as these cute characters that need to be protected or cute, uncute. Like it's, 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 it's like, it's designed in a way to where it's like, they need to be uh, baby the whole time. They need to be taken care of. They're a burden. Right, and, or at least that's what we've seen in like different literary stories and stuff. That's not obviously how it is in real life. I mean, right. that stuff doesn't inform people, and like people are actually treated that way, which sucks. But like this movie doesn't do that. It handles yes. those issues in a personal way. Yes, that's that what cultivates I love about in a beautiful it. dynamic between them and a beautiful romance. Right. Yes, that's that's what I that's what I was getting at. That's why I loved what they did. I really thought that focusing not on what you can't do but focusing on what they can do gaining that inspiration gaining that light for what it is that they care about what they were both so close to losing i -hmm. think that being able to get that was important because their dreams were they weren't influenced by each other to begin with but they intertwine with their relationship with one another to the point where it's like they will be fine on their own with their own aspirations but now it's like i have somebody who i know is behind me somebody who i know loves me Mm -hmm. and will support me in what i do and i can support them because you know we care about we care about each other. And I think that is also incredible. It's a, it's a healthy relationship. Yes. It is almost viewed as toxic when Mai says what she says to Jose about him pitying her. But then you come to realize he doesn't pity her. He genuinely cares about her. And that was actually something that... That was another thing I really appreciated was that this, you know, again, handicaps and disabilities are not looked at as hindrances on anything from life, dreams, or love. You know, they say love is love and love is genuinely love here. And it's not hilarious, but it's interesting that the most toxic relationship is the one-sided affection that Mai had for Suneo because <laughs> she was willing to destroy Jose's happiness. I don't know. Like, here, Here's the difficult part about Mai's character that I feel like should have been uh, I don't want to say flesh. I mean, this movie is wonderful as it is. is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not complaining or speculating about the writers or anything, but you know, maybe a direction to go with Mai or a better direction go with her would have been like, we don't spend that much time with her. So all we have are like secondhand accounts or like secondhand interactions that she has with 
Suneo that informs like, yeah, we understand she has a crush on him, but we just never really felt the extent of it. So whenever she like confesses her love to him before the whole storybook scene happens, like a couple days later, she she she's saying like, I know you don't love me back. I just had to say that for myself and stuff. And like that's one of the few moments where we have like, okay, there's a lot more going on with this character than the movie has been suggesting, right? Well, it it might have been it might have helped that we might have had a couple more scenes with her. But like e- even if we didn't, like you know, I don't think she's a terrible person. I just think she comes off a lot more dickish than she needed to be. Right. And what when I say that, which what you're saying, I I get, but what I'm getting at is she the fact that she had known him longer. Mm. Which I mean, you you see kind of glimpses of that. You can see the way that they interact being different from, say, the way that him and Jose interact at first, which is a relationship mm-hmm. that came way later down the line. So you can tell that they're obviously good friends. So I think, I, I see what you mean. They probably could have fleshed it out, but I, I personally think it's fine as is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like I like it too. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, that would be one direction to take it, but as it stands now, there's enough there to show us that, you know, things aren't always easy to talk about and the way that these characters interact. Um, there's, there's a lot of weight behind uh, the dialogue. So yeah, it's not a, it's not a failure or a fault or anything. It's just right. Right. No, but you know. yeah, that, that would have been interesting, but the, the thing about it, <laughs> I feel so bad saying it. I feel like if they had done anything differently, this would have, not been as effective mm-hmm. of a movie as it yeah. as it was as I, it I, th- is. I, I think when talking about art and you know we can get into different realms of like literary theory or like theory with like criticism and stuff I, I think it's a lot it's more helpful for people to talk about the form and style of whatever art they're consuming and talking about what it's potentially trying to do not what it's about not interpreting but like what it's trying to do and how well does it do it, right? Because then you get to like different aspects about whatever art you're talking about, and you know you can you can like you know maybe find some suggestions or things, or maybe whenever you know people as artists you know find the things and stories that you know you're more interested in, you know build it off of like those little gaps and other artworks. Maybe I shouldn't say gaps. Things that you know. Came off as one way or another to a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll go ahead. Oh, I, no, I was done. And funny enough, the thing about it that I love the most is I, I forget where I read this, but they, the filmmakers made a decision that I, that I think changes the actual movie from the source material i'm not Mm -hmm. i haven't had a chance to read the short story but i i i know about the 2003 film and the two are pretty different yes i'm glad you brought that up can i so okay i have something to bring forth from an article that i read okay about um that's directly talking about the original work Mm mm-hmm um, and I, I think it might add a little more insight into this adaptation. So this uh, portion or this excerpt that I'm pulling from is from a larger collection of journals 
of the U.S. Japan Women's Journal from 2002 or from 2012, and it's coming from the specific section that says sexualization of the of the disabled body. Tanabe Sekayo's Jose Notoro to Sakanatachi. God, I butchered that. And it's talking about some of the more politicized aspects of disability within the work and how and kind of reaffirming just even you know this short story was initially released in 1984 but like even if by those standards like it uses a lot of like uh, i shouldn't say uses it it demonstrates a lot of wonderful craft about the character and like there's a lot of intention from the author that comes off cost really well and i think the movie pulls from those threads too in an interesting way so the section that i'm reading from is from the ninth page and the headline is Kiyose Cultivation of Symbiotic Relationships. And it's talking about the climax of the original story where Josie and Suneo, and this is from the original story, um, they go to an aquarium together, which there is an aquarium sequence in this film too. Mm-hmm. But in the story, the aquarium is located in the underground level of a resort hotel and surrounds a tunnel-shaped passageway from which they can see fish in every direction. It provides a spectacular view and makes them feel like they're in a different world. It's a pleasurable world that releases Josie from the pressure of reality. Mm-hmm. And then later on, it, it base, this uh, section later talks about how like she embraces her own female body and you know later goes into the part where it later talks about how the original author writes both Josie and Tunedo had turned into a fish. Then Josie thinks we must have died. We have become death beings. And it talks about like the original author's use of death in her work and how it's often compared to like the ultimate point of happiness. And later on, it goes into uh, another section from the original story that says uh, Tanabe has explained in an interview that at the end, Josie knew that there will be nothing left after achieving the happiest moment. The end of the story is therefore depicted in a subdued tone of voice. And this is from the actual story. Since then, Suneo has been living with Josie. They're going to marry, but Suneo has not mentioned anything to his parents yet. And the grandmother's bones are still in the cardboard box. Josie thinks that it's just fine. So it's like this detachment from like familial expectations or like uh, things that they're like, socially uh, constrained to and like the operations that they have to go through. But specifically a word that uh, Tanabe uses in the original work is the word Tonozumi instead of the word Kiyosai. I'm butchering these, I know. (laughs) But a term used in the context uh, of disability study, Tonozumi and Kiyoshi, both literally mean living together, but Tonozumi carries a connotation of the scientific study of animal species while the other words suggested the both coexistence of animal species and human cultural interaction. And in terms of their relationship, the fact that they use the word Tomozumi is implicates that uh, the original author's intention to bring Josie out into society, into society and make her live harmoniously within the set of social standards Instead of having that be the case in the original work, uh, she uses this word to compare the couple's relationship to that between creatures in the ocean. The relationship between Josie and Tsuneo is like that of two species benefiting from their interactions with each other, such as symbiotic relationships of the clownfish and the sea anemone. The relationship is fluid and has no commitment. The fact that Tsuneo adopts no new name 
so they want like they don't marry anything indicates that Suneo never abandoned his social his social standards. Josie, in contrast, has changed her name, refusing to live as a normal social participant or to be viewed as a disabled woman. Suneo and Josie simply coexist, appreciate their differences, and enjoy each other's companionship. And I think, you know, I, I think that the movie does a good job of depicting that healthy relationship without having to go like these through like extra hoops. I don't know if that makes sense. There's a lot there that we can talk about if you want. Can you just say the name of the article and the person who wrote it? Because that's actually an interesting read that I, I think people would be interested in reading. Yeah. So it's, um, I got access to it through the JSTOR organization, which normally you'd have to pay or if like you have, access yeah, to access, uh, yeah yeah or yeah you know that but with like code and everything like if you sign up for an account like i did you can read this for free you have like access to a hundred free articles of your choice mm-hmm. so yeah i can i can send you the article if you want to like put it in like the show notes or something yeah just like say, say it like actually say oh okay it. yeah so the journal article is sexualization of the disabled body tanabe psycho tanabe's uh Josie the Tiger and the Fish. Okay. And when was it written? Uh 2012. Okay. Or it appeared in the collection of the US Japan Women's Journal and uh it's number 43 pages 33 to 47. I don't know what the 43 is alluding, alluding to. Mm-hmm. But you can find like the separate article um All right, yeah. So it's a is, good it's a good read. Yeah, that's that's definitely something worth checking out. So Anyone who's listening, if you are interested in further reading about this film and about the original story, then definitely check that out. Because again, yeah, I haven't I read can't, the. I... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say I, I haven't. I... Damn it! <laughs> you go. You go. I was just gonna say I haven't read the original story, but I know that in the 2003 film they broke up. Yeah. The way so the move the article talks about that and how it's depicted in the 2003 adaptation as less about the relationship and more about uh, Josie finding a way to live in the standards of this uh, world that she inhabits. With uh, whereas the intent, the original work has her finding out her own space and like cultivating her own living life. Like she, she isn't constrained by the social standards of the outside world if she decides not to live by those standards. So do they break up in the original story as well? No. They they have a completely different kind of relationship that transcends or like cannot be defined by the institution of marriage. Okay. Like that's what makes it so good for them. The 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 so yeah, read this article. It's great. It, right. I can't do it enough justice. Right, right. But one of the things that it focuses on is after her grandmother dies in the original story her remains, her bones, I know it's like a ritual of, of like great importance, is stored in a cardboard box instead of being given to the family to be buried in like the familial cemetery or graveyard or by their choice. So it's making the, it's making an obvious observation about uh, Josie's relationship with her extended family. Like her and her grandmother are not considered part of that family by the fact that no one has gotten to uh, bury the bones. So finding content with the fact that her grandmother's remains are stored away instead of, you know, traditionally buried, she's okay with that. 
she's okay with the life that she has chosen. Well, I'm definitely glad that the 2020, well, I guess for us, 2021 film kept the fact that they stayed together. And I, I'm actually interested, of course, I, I don't, I won't ever need a continuation because the way that it ends, they are happy together. He gets to go to Mexico and they, they are together. They text and he comes to see her. Oh, that was so cute. That was cute. So he didn't tell her that he had a spring break coming up. So he surprised her. And she said, that's pretty arrogant of you, caretaker, which has like been transformed to like this earnest nickname. And yeah. Yeah, it's so wonderful. Yeah, he she only called him Suneo once. Mm-hmm. That was that was that was interesting. I I liked that. But yeah, so they definitely had I don't I don't know anything about the conventions of their relationship, but it just seemed like a normal, healthy relationship. And I'm also glad that they were able to make long distance work because as the Naked Brothers band once said, long distance relationships can kill you. But they seem to make mm. it work just fine. And I I just the very last frame, I want to talk about the very last frame, just ever so briefly. What is it? The last frame? Okay, so she was drawing a picture in the very last frame and Suneo walks up, they you know, they talk, and then the last thing that you see is the picture that she was drawing, which is a picture of him and her walking. Well, like she's in a wheelchair, of course, and he's walking next to her, but they're just they're just taking a Holy. stroll. Mm-hmm. And that was just the sweetest ending. I mean, I'm I'm gonna give a major spoiler for Violet Evergarden in the movie, but the very last scene is two people who you want to be together. They're together and they are holding pinkies, so they're making a pinky promise. And that is one that is one of the best last images of a film ever. But this one was just purely sweet this if, if violet evergarden wasn't my favorite series of all time then i would say that this would probably be the best final still of any film that i've ever seen so it's it's number two for sure but or probably it's tied for number one because that was just perfect mm-hmm. i i agree i whenever i check the movie out again um i'll, I'll definitely keep an eye on that i think i missed that um but yeah i'm, I'm gonna mention something and like if you have anything to say before that because i want to make a point about like the romance in the story and compare it to something else uh no i'm good go ahead okay have you ever watched my, my love story it's on my list okay so i i liked it don't get me wrong i liked it it has some fun moments and some sweetness in it um there are points later on where it's just too much like like they're rehashing the sweetness mm-hmm. 10 times over and it just it becomes too saccharine and it's like uh, for me i was like cut it down a bit come on <laughs> i get it you, they're the most purest people in existence like okay cool but this movie does romance in such a realistic and fun way and i i, I i'm glad it never came across as too pure or like it didn't come across as like uh some kind of i don't even know how to explain it it has good balance 
Yeah, what I was getting to earlier, I don't know if I fully finished the thought, but the way that they adapted it, they adapted it for kind of a teen slash young adult audience, mm-hmm. which I think is why the ages are... I don't know how I'm the so ages happy. are in the original short story, but I'm pretty I, sure they I think were... we're around the same. I think Josie's 25. Okay, but yeah. They're both in college age. And I don't remember what it was in the 2003 film. It might have been the same there too, but I think that what was cool is that these characters are adults. You know, they, they're not kids. They're young enough to be able to explore love however they want, which, I mean, you can you can always explore love how, at whatever age you are, mm-hmm. but they, they just have they so much... constrained. Huh? They don't feel constrained. They don't feel constrained, right. But it's not that weird teenage love. It's, it's young adult slash adult love. Which... And they're still figuring things out, too, and it just... It's so earnest. They're just... And they're... I guess what I'm getting at is they're not immature when i first saw josie i was like oh shit she's gonna be a sundere but she's not she's not a sundere she's Mm -hmm. just a regular fucking person (laughs) you you understand the why she acts the way she does yes that's that's just good writing (laughs) that's the thing her character everyone's character makes sense and that's the best one of the best things about this movie nothing feels forced and nothing feels out of place. You said the the bro's name was uh, Hayato, right? Yeah. I love the the part um, when Sune, uh, Suneo is bringing her to his part time job, and as soon as uh, she like, <laughs> as soon as she's pushed in, like his friend's first reaction is to like, like go on one knee and like ask for her like contact information <laughs> yes that was and he's just he's just awestruck and i'm like that's really sweet <laughs> yeah i mean that is just a very good way of normalizing her saying you mm-hmm. know she is not just because she's in the wheelchair doesn't mean that she deserves to be othered mm-hmm. but also it shows the fact that people do uh, i don't know if this is the best way to put it but like people desire her people are attracted to her you know right yeah yeah, mm-hmm. like, like there's nothing unattractive about her. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like just because just because she's in a wheelchair doesn't mean she's any less of a woman. Mm-hmm. And she's a very I think the woman. original Yeah, I I think I want to go read the original 1984 short story because I think it grapples more with those themes and issues, but um like if I were to read that short story and fall in love with it, I would definitely recommend this movie before the short story. Mm-hmm. Maybe that at least that's my thought process right now, because this is such a good introduction. And, you know, maybe through that short story, I might read some of Tanabe's other work. I, I just, you know, I love anime more than anything else. So I would probably just watch this movie 10 times over before I read anything. Cause <laughs> I, I mean, aside from manga and light novels, I don't really like to read that. You're, you're living your honest life, man. Living your honest life. But yes, I, I cannot stress enough how much I love this movie. This is one of the best, one of my favorite movies of all time. One of the best movies that I think has ever been made. 
Do we give a goat status? Yeah. Good. Yes, absolute goat status. This this movie is damn near perfect, if not just absolutely perfect to me. Absolutely. And their first kiss, I think this might be the last thing I'm going to say, their first kiss was the cutest fucking thing ever. Mm-hmm. She was like, it's nothing like <laughs> I imagined. Man, I, even after talking about it, I, I feel lighter now. <laughs> yes, dude, I feel so great. This this has been so great. I love this movie so much. I can't stop Shit, saying I'm so it. happy. I might die next. I don't know. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I'm, don't worry, I won't. I got too many debts in this world. Oh, man. Same. But honestly, I wouldn't mind passing them on to someone else. <laughs> My inherited will. Exactly. Uh, that would fucking suck if that was an actual thing. Not if you're me. part of the U.S. government, do not let dead debts continue, please. Um, you should read Chainsaw Man. <laughs> Sorry, there's that, a reason for was it. That like just, it. Was that was that about what we were just talking about, or are you just saying read Chainsaw Man? I mean, both as a statement, like a general statement, but also um, it, it 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 interacts and is interested in those kind of ideas of like debts and everything, death and all that. Well, all right, working class. All right, but yeah. Say what? Oh, I'm just giving you a thumbs up. Oh, yeah, I was just saying, you heard the man. Read Chainsaw Man. And the anime's coming out. It's going to be so good. Thank you, Mappa. All right, they put dude. together a dream team. Anyway, great talking to you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yes, Always dude. happy to be here. Yes, yeah, so thank you so much, Andrew, for coming on. I have been your host, GPC, great podcaster, Callie, and... Thank you so much for listening. If you want to hit me up on social media, my Instagram handle is at AnimeAlphaGoat. And if you want to contact me for business inquiries via email, it is ouranimehome at gmail.com. I'm always open to anime suggestions, manga suggestions, light novel suggestions, because honestly, what else am I going to do other than talk about shit on this channel? Or, yeah, channel, podcast, whatever. But that's been it. I... I've been happy to talk with Andrew, and I've been happy to relay all of this to all of you. And we are out. Peace.